Hi, this is Paul Butler. I'm the Senior Pastor of New Heart Baptist Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We hope that this podcast will be a great blessing to you and encourage your life. Google's really good for one thing, is if you know part of a verse and you type in two or three of the words, up will come the scripture. And if it's hidden in your heart and you go, I don't know where it is, and then you just go, for God so loved, you'll get John 3.16. What was it? Uh, 1 John 1, uh, 1 John 1, 1 John 3 verse 1. How great is the the love the Father has lavished on... If I put how great is the love, up will come 1 John 3 verse 1. And this stuff that's hidden in my heart over many, many years because I've decided that I want to be like Jesus... I, I, and the, I want his, his spoken word to be, to be speaking to me every day. And the way I foster hearing his spoken word when the spirit, his spirit speaks to my spirit inside me is to become acquainted with his spirit when I read the Bible. And you, when you read the Bible, what happens is, is the spirit breathes. The, John, uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 says that every word of Scripture is God-breathed. So the first people that wrote it were inspired, breathed. It was breathed on. As they, they wrote it, he breathed on them. And as we read it, he re-breathes over it. And what happens is that he illuminates and brings revelation and understanding and he teaches us. Jesus said when he sent the Holy Spirit, he would teach us and he would lead us into all truth and he will re- uh, mind you of everything that I've commanded you. Now, that's from John 14, I think. Thank you. Wow, someone's got the verses. But you see, the thing is, is that when I read the Bible, sometimes, have you ever had this happen to you? When I read the Bible, what happens is, is that I'm reading along and this verse, this part, touches my heart. It, it, it's, it's like I, I saw something that I never saw before. For example... I was reading Acts chapter 2. I'm writing out uh, the, the book of Acts. I've written out the book of John by hand. I, I, I have um, a journal. I've got one line on one side of the page with a little column for comments and ideas and things that, that, that I get out of it. And I'm just writing. I just look up the NLT version and I just write it word for word. And when something pops out at me, I underline it, circle it, put a little comment over here. And I get to, it's 9 a.m., Sure, um, you know, in Acts 2 where it says, um, but it's 9am, we can't be drunk. What's that verse? Can someone, can anybody remember? What does it say? Uh, someone says they're drunk and someone says, but it's only 9am. And I went, how do they know it's 9am? They didn't have watches. And then I thought, what was going on at 9am, Pentecost morning in Jerusalem? And I went, okay, Google that. And then, and what was happening is, is it was the beginning of Pentecost. And I had a big conversation with Roger about that. And there's a whole bunch of things that collided at 9 a.m. You can go and do your research on that. And I went, God, this is so crazy, so cool. But here's one little thing that happened at 9 a.m. In the temple, the priest, for the because there's a feast called the Feast of Leaven Bread. It's the only time 
in the whole year that Israel, uh, that Jews are allowed to have leaven in the temple and the priest, the high priest, takes a symbolic loaf of leavened bread, breaks it, gets a, uh, a thing of oil and pours oil into leavened bread. Now you go, uh, sorry, you, you've missed me. Um, well, let me just give you some sim- symbols. Leaven is a sign of sin. Leaven is yeast. Bread a sign of our bodies. Oil is a symbol of... So, I don't feel like I need this anymore. you got this working. Thank you. Wow, give them a hand. Um, and so, when he breaks the bread, he's pouring oil into leavened bread. What are you and me? Are we unleavened bread or are we leavened bread? What Put those two symbols, a body with sin. And God pours his spirit into sinful man and does this amazing outpouring of power so that broken people are now being used by God to share his story. That's one thing from I got from 9am. Because the Spirit just hovered over 9am and said, so what? You see, you've got to be in the Word to get that kind of interaction with the Holy Spirit where He wants to reveal stuff. And here's what I've discovered is when I'm doing that in my life, when I'm reading the Word, it becomes a massive adventure of discovery. And I get super excited about the things I... And I want to hear what God has to say when I'm reading it and when I'm not reading it. Because his spirit is with me when I'm reading it and his spirit is with me when I'm not. And the thing that God wants us is to be living by every word that comes from God's mouth. That's what Jesus said when the Satan comes along and says, turn this rock into bread. He says, well, no, man shall live by, quoting Moses, man shall live by every word that proceeds from God's mouth, which is what Jesus did. I want to be like Jesus. So I want to do that. So I've got to be in the word. I've got to become sensitive to what it feels like when God is speaking. That revelation that, hey, it's 9am, what does that mean? That's the Holy Spirit in me going, Paul, wake up. There's something here for you. I want to excite you with some revelation, some understanding you don't have. I want to speak to you now. So that when I'm out there in the shopping mall, I'm out doing this. Someone shared a testimony this morning, uh, Kerry Ann, and get that uh, inkling because you become so familiar with the voice of God in the times when you're reading and you understand this is what it sounds and feels like when I have revelation coming from script reading scripture that God has then got your attention 24-7. Who wants that? Well, listen... I've got a great, great offer for you. <laughs> I've got a great offer that you can't refuse. If you want that, then I can say to you, go to the Holy Spirit and you say, Holy Spirit, teach me more. Because I want to live and be like, more like Jesus because that's really cool. That's in the Bible somewhere. <laughs> um, we're about to read Psalm 119. Um, it's a very, very interesting um, chapter of the Bible. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. Um, 
out of the 176 verses, I think 170 of those verses actually mention, by using different words, the Bible or scriptures. It's, it's, it's incredibly long, and it's, got, and it's got in chapters with eight verses each chapter, and each chapter is, starts with the, the, letter, the Hebrew letter, um, a letter from the Hebrew alphabet. So what's Aleph? Is, is their first A. And Beth, and we're going to read a little passage from Beth or Beth. Is it Beth or Beth? It's spelt B-E-T-H, but I think it's Beth. And, and so, and each one of the statements that in, in this little section of verses 9 to 16 start with the letter Beth. And each statement is talking about the relationship with the psalmist and the Bible and God. Now, I grew up um, where uh, I, I grew up in a church which was bordering on what they could call Bible deism. Does anybody know what Bible deism is? It's a theological word. Deism. The Bible is like God. People worship the Bible, and in Churches like that, what often happens is they exalt the Bible teacher, the guy on the platform, as the guy who knows it all. And they really go yay to those guys. They're the, the great heroes. And the evangelists and the missionaries, yeah, not so much. Roger, uh, I'm sure you've experienced that as you've gone around. But I'm not this Psalm, Psalm 119. Some people have often said that this is a psalm about where the guy is more about talking about worshiping the Bible. I don't think so. Um, this guy was in love with God and knew that the gateway for his love to grow in God, to learn about God, to listen to God, to have it become part, to have God's voice and God's word become part of him so that it came out of him, was to read the word that God had prepared and given to him like a, a, a lunch. I love the picture of, of Mary sitting at Jesus' feet and on the side is Martha preparing a meal and Jesus is preparing uh, uh, Jesus has prepared a meal for all his disciples and Mary's gone, I want to eat from Jesus. And Martha is preparing a physical meal for Jesus and saying, Jesus, tell Mary to help me make the physical meal. And Jesus said, well, actually, Martha, that's good, but she's chosen the right thing for now. I think we need to be lining up and going, Jesus, I want to I eat from you. And so these are the words that appear in this little... You'll see each of these words as we go through. Law, word has got two different Hebrew words, judgments, testaments, covenant, commandments, statutes and precepts. They all sound like the same thing. But we'll find out they're slightly different and that the psalmist was very intent in trying to communicate some really cool things. So let's do something... Um, that I learned in the Jesus Revolution movie. Chuck Smith, um, before anything happened, would often say this little statement before he preached and before he read the word. And I thought about it and I went, this is such a cool thing. He would get the Bible out before he preached and he would say, and say it with me, this is truth, this is life, this is God's word, 
let's open it together. How cool is that? And um, obviously God breathed upon a generation and Chuck Smith continued to get them into the word and that became a phrase that was used over and over again before and during the Jesus revolution. So let's just pray. Lord Jesus, we just come to your word and before we even open it, we thank you, Lord God, that before the world began, you breathed into life the very things that we are standing on. Without your being, your presence, your power, your knowledge, Lord, nothing that is would be created. All things were created by you, through you, and for you. Lord Jesus, we come to the one who has all things in his hand and we ask, Lord, for revelation, truth and understanding to come into us. We pray, God, for hunger, for a deep, deep hunger because we know that there is a wave of unbelief in our world right now that is trying to steal our faith. Lord Jesus is, is robbing people from a place in the kingdom, or a place of moving forward with your good news into the world to reconcile all things to you, Lord Jesus. So, Lord, we pray, fill us with your word, your living, breathing word, Lord, this morning. And, Lord, I pray that every person leaves here with a hunger and thirst for more of you and to learn more of who you are and to apply everything that you have for them in their lives and to share it with others in Jesus' name. How can a young man keep his way pure? It would, this is from ESV. You could equally say, how would young people, young men, young women, would this also apply to older people like me? Old people. Some of you are going, you're young. And some of you are going, yeah, you're old. How can a young man keep his way pure? That word pure, interesting word, we'll come to it. By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Interesting. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, which is a common phrase in a prayer that Jews speak regularly. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the ways of your testimonies, I delight as much as in riches. Wow, that's, that's crazy for a materialistic world, right? I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statues. I will not forget your word. Mm. Let's just break this down. How can a young man keep his way pure? That word pure, uh, it's, it, if you go back to the original Hebrew, it's kind of like, a translucent, like you could see right through it. Like there's no impurities. It's clean. It's like crystal clear water. I've been getting feeds on my Instagram of Sardinia and the, and the, the places in, in Italy where the Mediterranean is the, the water. You see the sand at the, the bottom and the water is so translucent. It's just, oh, I want to go there. And swim in that water. And then I, I think it was Esperance in Western Australia. There was a beach over there. Has anybody been to that place? I think. And um, where's the beach? Whitehaven Beach. Translucent. How can a young man keep his way pure? The word way, that's an interesting word. Way is like this. Um, 
if you watch me walk, one of my feet goes out that way, the other foot goes out that way. I'm a little bit hunched over. I have a way in the way I walk. I have a way in the which I talk. I say strawberries and not strawberries. I say think instead of thing. And I have Zeta, my friend over here, and others who point out my little foibles, which are my ways. Some of them cute, some of them frustrating. <laughs> but a way is the way, is a, is a, it's like how you talk, it's how you walk, it's who you are. How, how can a young man keep his way pure, clean? By guarding it. And there's that Hebrew word, shama, to watch over carefully his way. Um, and there's a, another Hebrew word, uraka, the way he walks according to your word. So how can a young man keep his way pure by guarding his way according to your word? The world is filled with ideas and values. And we can align ourselves with that word. And if we do that, we will take on unbelief. We will take on the wisdom of the world, the values of the world. Or we can be rooted and grounded and coming from a place where the word, um, God's spoken word, that dabar, the iner, the dabar word, God's spoken word, is informing our thinking and our values. You can be informed, your thinking and your values can be informed from the world or it can be informed from God who's revealed who he is and what he is and what he has done through his word. I think this is the greatest danger for the, that the spirit of unbelief is actually going, I've got a whole, gen, the devil has got a whole generation who've got the greatest access to the Bible, who are not reading it and they are being formed from the internet and from every other source about every value and every idea under the planet and they're not informed about Jesus. It's crazy. I think we've got to really, really be challenged by this. How can a young man keep his way pure? We have young people who think it's okay to have sex before marriage. We have old people who think it's okay to have sex before marriage. You go, I thought you were a, you'd be older and you would know and then you talk to them and you realise they are not walking according to the word of God. They are walking to what seems right in their own mind. And that was what was said about the generation, I think just, in that day, every man did what was right in his own sight. That's a really scary place to be, but that's where we're at. So, this word according is actually aligning until you become like it. This word according is aligning until you become like it. So you allow the word of God, you, look, you take yourself, you look into the word of God and you go, who's got to change? What we actually have is a generation that actually wants the Bible to change to the culture that it's in and say, this is making me feel foolish at work because everybody says I should be inclusive and that I shouldn't believe things like that and I'm being cruel and unkind to have a value that's against what everybody else thinks. Um, I don't know how many years ago it was, but um, the whole thing of sex before marriage was a big deal in the church. Do you know what? That's the least of our problems now. 
It's not even a consideration. When you tell a person, when a person asks you, what do you believe about homosexuality, same-sex marriage, blah, 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 I go, would you ask me what I believe about sex before marriage of any kind? And, where, and why do I believe what I believe? What is the basis of why I believe about that? And, I, and when you think about that, you go back to where am I getting my ideas from? Where do I get my understanding from? Well, if it's coming from the world and you don't have a basis that's coming from what God says, then you are going to speak and look and walk. Your way is going to be like the world. And you know what? You'll be applauded. You'll be embraced and you'll be included. You will not pay a price for that. Not to them. There is a price to be paid for walking in the ways of this world. Yes? Yeah, and it leads to death. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commands. The command, the word, the Hebrew words, mitzvah. It's the authorised order that must be obeyed. Do you know we live in a world where that's not true? We live in a world which tells us that there is no such thing as an ordered, uh, authorised way, that what your truth is your truth. But the psalmist is going with my whole heart. Um, in Acts chapter 2, we read that the church in, at 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves with their whole heart. The first command is to love the Lord with your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, with all your heart, your whole heart. Devoted. My whole heart, I seek you. There is this complete giving of yourself to something. And let me not wonder from your commands. I think what's happening is, is we've gone into neutral land. We've gone into grey land. We've gone into a place where it's okay to, to, to not be wholehearted. In fact, it's safe. But there's a price for safe. I'm not talking about being judgmental of others. I'm not talking about Bible bashing people with your truth or the scriptures of the Bible. I'm talking about the fact that you've got to know what it is that God thinks and says about stuff. The stuff that you are presented with when you leave this building and you go shopping, when you are working with colleagues and, and blah, 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 blah. What is God saying? And if you don't know, then God has an answer for you. God's able to reveal his truth and he will reveal it in a way which will reveal his loving kindness and mercy because that's who he is. But he will not mince words. I love Psalm 119 verse 105, which is way back in the, uh, way further in this, this chapter, he says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's about, he enlightens what's here now and he, enlight, and he lets me know what's, uh, how to, to go forward. There's a lamp and a light. The lamp gets here and the light is the way forward. And your word is a lamp unto my feet. We've got to be completely, wholeheartedly seeking after God. And the way we do that is that we do not wander from his laws, his authorized order. And to do that, we have to have it 
in our hearts and we have to be in it and considering it and wondering and pondering about it. And I have stored up, um, there's that word, uh, safan. I've hidden, this word I have stored is hidden treasure. Uh, Some translations say, I have treasured. I have treasured your word. Others say, I've hidden your word up. Remember that scripture that says, and Mary um, stored up these things in her heart? Well, that's in Greek. But if they'd put it into a Hebrew, it would have been this word here. I've stored up. Do you know it's like a hidden treasure? It's there and it's ready to come out at the right time. That I may not sin against you. Now that's the negative way of putting it. That I might not sin against you. I've stored your word up in my heart so that I might not sin against you. What is the positive way of saying that verse? I might walk in your ways. That I might do the right thing. That I might walk as you walk. That I might follow your ways. And not sin against you. Sometimes we become very negative and, and we, think about, uh, we, we think about ourselves in the negative and I'm not saying that this verse is wrong but I love the, the idea that, that when I hide God's word in my heart He's going to call on that word whenever he needs it and he's going to bring it out and he's going to use it for his purposes and for his good and for his glory, including me being able to respond to the devil when he comes with his accusation and with his temptations and with his deliberate thieving and stealing and destroying that he does. I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. How do you store up God's word? Read it, learn it. How do you store up anything? Has anybody got something that they store? Keep it safe. Has anybody got a safe? Don't tell me. (laughs) Obviously, you you do something. You you take a measure to, to... to make a space for it, you, you find a container for it, you put stuff in that container and then you put it away and it might be there for a safekeeping or it might be there because you want to preserve it. I've stored up your word in my heart here that I may not sin against you and that I might obey your word and I might do the things that honour you and bring glory to your name. Oh, can I get that to go down a little bit? No, you can't. That's just the way this slide worked. Verse 12 says, that's just the way the PowerPoint translated from my computer to that computer. We're having a few big glitches today, aren't we? It's okay. Colossians 1 tells us that Jesus is over all things, including technical glitches. We just have to be patient. Praise to be to you. Or, yep, hang on. Go to the ESV. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. The, the Hebrew word there is hukim, the written laws, the defining that define right and wrong. Um, you know, when the, the psalmist wrote this, what part of the Bible did he have 
and what part of the Bible didn't he have? Because he's talking about scriptures, the Lord, the commands, the statutes, all these things. What part of the Bible historically? Think about that if you know. If you don't know, you're just learning. That's okay. You don't have to know. Can someone tell me what Torah is? First five books. And who knew that? Every child under the age of 12. How, how cool is that? Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. Or every child did. They, they, they were learning and they were written laws defining right and wrong. Every child from the very word time they started school, they were taught about God and what God said about how life was meant to be lived. It was, you know, the Ten Commandments were for all nations. The, the, the Ten Commandments were translated into every known language that they could, they say. I think it was 120 languages represented. And um, so they say that the Ten were translated into 120 languages for every nation and the six, 603 other commands were written for Israel. But the Ten, which is what this is talking about, the written laws here a defined for a Jew it would be the 613 laws and you know what they loved them and they studied them and they earnestly I was in Jerusalem a few years back with Michelle and we we're watching these guys in funny hats black suits and they were running around like this they weren't allowed to run they were actually walking very very fast because running's working and they were just everywhere you watch them everywhere and I can't call them hazard Hasidim? Hasidic. And I asked somebody, why do they do this? Why are they everywhere? It's really fast. And, and they've got their little books out and they've all got glasses on. Do you know why they do that? I asked somebody, why do they do that? <laughs> I'm a curious person. And a guy said to me, oh, that's easy. It's because... They're rushing so they can sit, they can get to the place where they're going and open up the Bible again and start reading again. Now, they're super religious and they haven't found Jesus yet. But you've got to, got to admire their devotion to having God's word imprinted on their hearts. With my lips, I declare all the rules, the mispartim, the just decisions, the counsel, the design of your mouth with my lips. Do you know um, when Jews read the Bible, they read it out loud. Uh, they'll get a, if they're in um, a synagogue, they'll have a gold pen thing, pointer thing, and they'll read like a pointer, and they'll read it like this on each word, and they'll read it out loud. Um, there is something, and educators are in the room, there's something about reading out loud that increases our, our learning capacity or ability to comprehend, our comprehension, and we don't do it enough. How many of you read the Bible out loud in your times at home? I've got a confession here, I don't. But how about you try doing that? Yes. Oh, it's all right. So uh, Marilyn just said, for those who are, who, who are, thank you, Zoomers. Hi, Zoomers. 
Uh, and for everybody that didn't hear it, you're speaking it out to the heavenlies, a spiritual realm that we all live in. You're speaking out, declaring it to the heavens and to the heavenly realm. But you're also, what was the other part? Hearing, hearing it yourself. Because faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God, which is another scripture. Wow, we get the scriptures coming out everywhere. In the way of your testimonies, uh, a testament, the New Testament, Old Testament, it's just simply a covenant, and that covenant was uh, con connected to a witness, which is two parties agreeing on something. The new covenant that we are part of includes commands. Do not think that Jesus didn't have commands. In fact, the thing is, that part of being a disciple is that we might teach one another to obey Jesus' commands by our obedience to his commands. And he fulfilled God's great commands. There are three great commands. There are to love the Lord your God. The second is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And the third is his great commission, which is a command to go and make disciples and to teach them and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them so it's circular, teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. Love the Lord your God, and it goes on and goes on. In the way of your testimonies, in the way of your covenant, in the way of your commands, I delight as much in as in all true or false. Don't answer. Consider the question carefully. You will know the answer to the question when you consider whether that's true, the first part of your statement. And if it's not true, do this. Look, let the word shine its light into your life. Let it be a mirror and say, Lord, that's not true. I want it to be more true. This is not about condemnation. This is a let... let let, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What he's calling you up to is calling up to your divine inheritance, your divine purpose, your divine identity, which is as a child and son of God, daughter of heaven. You, are, you're, you have a access to the heart and the voice of God. The word of God is yours. It's your divine inherent inheritance. And it's up to you whether you use it or not. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. What are your riches? I will meditate. A siak. Consider something thoughtfully on your precepts. That's the piquidum. <laughs> Hebrew is terrible. You'll carefully set out details and fix my eyes on your ways. Do you think God has carefully set out details? Um, Michelle and I were talking about this the other night and, on, and we're just talking about people who, uh, and I was talking to my dad about this I was talking about the fact that people who believe that the universe was created by complete random chance and I go, you have got to be kidding you have got to be kidding there there's no intelligent design you have got to be kidding. Come on. Just pick one part of the natural world, just one part, and then look at the complete, complete complexity of it and tell me that there is not 
incredible design at every level. You get to your micro, get to your macro, I don't care where you look, there is no way this all happened by a random chance. No way. Sorry, I think that's illogical. I will meditate on your precepts, um, which are your carefully set out details and fix my eyes on your ways. I will meditate. This is not something that we are familiar with in our culture. Uh, meditate is not to go home and sit there and think of nothing. Uh, Christian biblical meditation is where you sit with a verse and you let that verse become part of you. And you welcome God to speak to you through that verse. And if you're not reading it, then meditation doesn't even come there. But you read it, you sit in it, you write it out a thousand times, you sit there and rewrite it in your own words. There's a thousand different ways to meditate on God's word and let it become part of you. And I know I'm flipping through, but there's so much more. I would delight, each verse, one of these deserves a sermon. I would delight in your statutes, the haqwim, your written word, and I will not forget your word, the dabar, your spoken word. Here the writer combines two, two words, the written word and the spoken word. I will delight in your statutes, your written word, and I will not forget your dabar. I think this is... This is the two things that we can go away with today. And I hope that today what I've done is that I've, I've stirred a hunger or stirred an interest, perhaps made you thirsty for more of God's word because it's so essential in the last days of the last days. It says there will be a great falling away amongst those who believe in the last days part of the last days why i believe it's a spirit of unbelief that comes upon the earth because people are are not completely devoted to seeking god and what god says and therefore they do their own thing and they reinterpret life and god and christianity and jesus according to their own image which is basically the root of sin where you become god in your own image and it's going to happen but I believe that there is going to be a generation who go no and they're going to hold through to the word of God and they're going to store it up in their heart. They're going to say, this is my standard and I'm going to get into it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to learn it. I'm going to have it become part of me. I'm going to understand it with the Holy Spirit's help and I'm going to share it with others. So here's some simple applications for you. How can we live this out? First of all, you can listen to it. If you're in your car, stick on your Bible app and listen to scriptures. Let it, even if your mind wanders, let it wash into your subconscious. Let it, let it revive your soul. Um, my problem with listening to it is I get through about two verses and I have to stop because I'm thinking about it and I, I want to go like this with the Holy Spirit and, and go, oh, wow, 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 wow. And, and so rarely I get through more than a few verses before I have to hit pause and now I'm thinking and I'm going here and going there and the Holy Spirit's taking me here and showing me things in my heart. Start to do that. That's what's going to happen. Read it. Read it aloud. Um, I'm reading it at the moment. This is I've changed up my devotional life. I'm just writing out, as I said, I'm writing out the book of Acts. I got through four verses the other day and my commentary just went nuts. I'm just having so much fun with Jesus. I'm writing it out. 
Oh, memorizing it. I've got a, I downloaded a really great app. It's called uh, Memory Locker. And it gives you a really great, all the tools that you need for memorizing verses of scripture. And what I'm going to do this year is I'm going to, to look at the verses that me, are very meaningful to me from the Bible that I would like to share with other people and I'm going to memorize them off by heart using Memory Locker to help me because one of the little things that Memory Locker does is that you've got the verse there and then you hit blur and it just blurs every second or third word. Another one it gives you where it gives you just the letters of, of each word and does all these different memory tools and I just love it. It's just so much fun to use it. So it's helping me in my memorization of Colossians 1. I'm studying and applying it with others. Can I just say to you that the Jewish people in Jesus' time rarely studied and read the Bible by themselves. Certainly interpretation was done within the synagogue. You would read it, then you would, you would study the reading and the study of it was then considered amongst the group. They actually had synagogue in a, a U-shape. And so someone would read and then there was a conversation and you see that in Luke chapter 4 where Jesus reads the testimony, shares a little word and then they had this big conversation about whether that was true or not. And, you know, I think there is so much power where God is revealing truth through each of us and the revelation and understanding that God gives to each one of us, the body, and then we get to see perspectives of God and who he is and what he has for us as we share one with another. I'm in four life groups, and I love some with people who are just new beginning followers of Jesus, some who are really struggling with their faith, some with very who are really firm and secure. And I love every time someone shares what God is saying to them through that. There are three things... That, I, that we do when we do that in a life group. We, so, and I just want you to repeat it. Head, heart, hands. Head. There are, there are uh, three questions simply. What do you learn about God or people? Head. What spoke to your heart? How can you live this out? Can you repeat that with me? Head. What do you learn about God and people? Heart. What spoke to your heart? And hands, how can we live this out? Now you can do that by yourself when you're reading the Bible. You can say, what do I learn about God or people? What spoke, what stood out to me as I read it? And how can I apply this in my life? If you were to use that as a devotional pattern, how cool would that be? That'd get you going, right? There's probably other ways. And I want you to go today and I want you to share with each other where, where you're at with your Bible reading with one another. And if you need to say, please pray for me, I would like to do what Pastor Paul said. I want to find a better way of doing this. Or if you're not in a life group, find out about a life group, get into a life group. If you need to talk to someone, I need more help with, with studying the Bible. Let's come and talk to me. We'll, we'll figure out a way. I want to encourage you all. That God is wanting to build up his church and encourage his church. So during these last days where the world is dominating the church is thinking that the, the word of God rises up within us and we start coming back and taking authority and start speaking truth into things and seeing God move into those places through his divine word spoken through his church, which we saw in Acts chapter 2, where they ran out in the streets declaring the praises of God and sharing the good news. And people, 3,000 people were added because they heard the truth about Jesus.
Who wants to be part of that? Would you stand? I'm going to pray and bless you. Uh, once again, I thank you to every one of the people that responded to our sound crisis this morning. Thank you. Well, our tech guys, you really got on and you got this microphone happening. I really appreciate your diligence, your faithfulness and your serving. And Lord, I just want to just commit this word to you. <clears throat> Lord, I just throw salt into this water, Lord. And I ask, Lord, that your divine, you would put, uh, create thirsty hearts. And Lord Jesus, that this, this word would take root, bear fruit, and be abundant, create abundant fruit of obedience that results in a great harvest within our life and the lives of those that we get to share the fruit of the word in our life with. So I pray, Lord Jesus, that um, for people who have never, ever shared a scripture with someone they don't know. If you've never shared a scripture with someone that you don't know, put your hand up. I want to pray for you specifically right now. Have you ever prayed, have you ever shared a scripture with someone and said, you know, I was reading this in the Bible today and I think it's think it's word for you. If you've never done that, then I want to pray for you because I want to pray that God will release those opportunities for you. It'll start with you reading the word, but trust that God will use your reading in someone's life. All right, so I'm just going to pray for you right now. Lord Jesus. I pray right now for people who've never had that or have had it once and haven't used it for a while. I pray that what they will begin to see is what they, that you will align what they're reading with the opportunities that you have set before them. I pray that you would unfold a revelation and understanding and you'll give them those moments where they'll go, that's why I read that strange verse. I didn't think it was for me, but it and turns out it was for that person. Lord Jesus, I pray for divine appointments right now in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that your living, breathing word would fill us with your divine energy, your divine power, Lord, that we would speak with your divine power and authority and that your word would go forth and, Lord, that it would, it would actually go out and do everything that you designed to do, Lord, in the lives of people in us first and those that we share it with. I bless these people, your people, your children, Lord, with this awesome inheritance that you've given them. Thank you for your word. Amen. Now talk about the Bible and talk about your relationship with it. Pray for one another. God bless you.